Hi everyone, I'm Lucas Mack, and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I'm honored to have on Shola Richards. Now, Shola is a best-selling author, he's a keynote speaker, and one thing in his title that I'm really drawn to, he's a positivity activist. Shola says, who are you waiting for to save the world? It's up to you. There is no one else. This is who Shola Richards is. This is what he stands for. And I'm honored to have him on the show today. Shola, thanks for joining the Golden Rule Revolution. How are you? Lucas, my man. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm just, I'm so pumped to be here, man. I'm so thankful for the invitation. So let's make this happen, brother. I love it. I love it. I'm honored to have you on. And one thing I always start is uh, ask people, where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town in Western Massachusetts called Amherst, Massachusetts. It's a college town. University of Massachusetts is there. Amherst College is there. Hampshire College is there. And I grew up, my dad's a college professor. Uh, my mom worked as an x-ray technologist at Kaiser Permanente, turned into Amherst Medical. So I grew up in a small town. Uh, a really close-knit environment where close with my brothers. I have two brothers. I have an identical twin brother and an older brother and uh, mom and dad. And together, we just grew up with lots of love, lots of support, and really that foundation around kindness and not to steal your tagline, but treating people like people, right? I mean, really, really focusing on just how we, what energy we put out in the world so that we're leaving everything that we touch better than we found it. Hmm. Did, um, or what did your dad teach at the university? Yeah, he taught African art history and he cool. was a beloved professor. Um, he coincidentally, um, my dad passed away two months ago. Um, yeah. And it's, so it's like, he is like, and he, to this day, probably until I die, is the greatest man I have ever known. And I mean, he literally taught me about the importance of kindness. He was suffering, um, he had cancer. And when he, when he passed, he was going through a lot of complications towards the end. And he, he would, even when he had really challenging surgeries, he would write handwritten notes mm. to every single staff member who worked for everyone from the janitorial EVS staff to the physicians, surgeons, nurses, techs. He was just that type of dude. And when we walked into the hospital, he was treated like a rock star because he made sure everyone he talked to was the most important person in the room, even when he was suffering greatly from his illness. And to me, it's like that legacy is what I'm here on this earth to put forward. Wow. That is... That is beautiful. Tell me, um, and I don't know how or how much you know of this, but for your father to teach African art history, how did he go down that path? I mean, that's, that's a really cool niche to teach. Yeah. So my dad is from Sierra Leone, West Africa. So that's where he, he's like, uh, he's like Mufasa from the Lion King, man. (laughs) And he's like, just the wisest dude, man. I know you have three kids, man. I know you've been watching some Lion King, some Disney movies, man. So That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And so he, but he also had a real passion for art, and he had a really good eye mm. for art. And he's also an amazing educator. So 
Hmm. A lot of teachers, when you, if you even think back to like college or high school, usually when you think of it, like, uh, tell me like, who was your sixth grade teacher? Like most people can't remember them because teachers are so nondescript. You're saying, ah, this is someone I just had to get through to get to graduate, right? right? My dad was one of those people that really engaged the students and they could sense his passion for art, specifically hmm. African art and, and the history of it. And so he grew up with that in Sierra Leone, West Africa, Freetown, and he brought that over to the United States, got his PhD at Northwestern, and then wow. he went on to just go impart that knowledge upon other people and, and help them to get a passion and appreciation for African art, which was really, really cool. That is, uh, that is a beautiful story. Where, where's your mom from? Where did she grow up? Yeah, so my mom is from Natchez, Mississippi. So they're they're like wow. totally <laughs> odd couple, right? I mean, you got yeah. this Mississippi woman, African guy, totally different worlds, man. But like they found so much love, married for forty nine loving years, mm. and uh, just the best example of human love I've ever seen. And I'm so wow. thankful to be a product of their love because it's weird, and maybe weird's not the right word, but it's, it's a beautiful thing, more like it, to see that type of love and what it does to a child to be able to see that and then mm. be able to use that energy to be able to go off and do hopefully positive things in the world. Cause I see what true love can do for a family. Mm. And I'm hoping that if I can spread love to our community, to our country, to this world, I can have the same effect. Love that. Um, so you tell me about this. We all go through, um, ups and downs in life. Well, I think none of us escape life without some sort of trauma, without some <laughs> sort of pain, right? And yeah. so tell me about your journey. I mean, from growing up in the small town of Amherst to how you got to where you are today. How did that happen? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because, and, and Lucas, I know you can relate to this, man. So it's like, and you worded it beautifully, like no one escapes, you know, the pain is going to find you in some way or another, right? So yeah. when I was younger, I was, I struggled a lot. I struggled a lot with um, speaking and I had a speech impediment. So I stuttered a little bit and, and I had really crooked overlapping like, <laughs> like teeth that just made me an easy target for the bullies, right? So mm. I remember one day, um, I had my, my favorite jacket and these kids ripped off my jacket and they peed on it. And I mean, Jeez. and they, they thought that was funny. And, and it, because I stuttered so much as a kid, I found a group of friends or, or so I thought that we were cool. And I only found out later that they kept me around only so they could laugh at me behind my back. And mm -hmm. I, you know, that just, it sounds so silly, but as you know, eight year old, nine year old kid, that was devastating to me. Yeah, that's deep pain. Yeah. Deep pain. Yeah. And so I and, and I think because of that, I grew up with this really underlying current of unworthiness, which unfortunately has nothing to do with my family life because they were wonderful, but just how yeah. this kind of per, this pervasive feeling crept into every area of my life. It affected my relationships, affected my ability to play basketball, affected my ability to be all these different things that I didn't realize like those moments really set forth. And I kind of had this thing follow me throughout high school, throughout college. And when I started entering the working world, for whatever reason, I don't know if people could just sense blood in the water, but I became a target mm. for bullies. I mean, I overcame a speech impediment, thankfully, and 
Um, but still, and braces, thankfully, fixed my teeth. But it didn't change the brokenness inside of me, right? It yeah, still didn't feel right. like I didn't belong anywhere. And um, as I was working in a couple of environments where I was being targeted for bullying and things like, like that, I fell into a very deep hopelessness and depression. And to make a long story short, um, 14 years ago, I made a decision that I was going to take my own life. And I didn't just think about it. So this is, I think this is where it gets a little bit more extreme. So I think, you know, I'm sure, well, I don't say I'm sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if many people in moments of deep sadness thought maybe you would do it. But I'm not talking sadness here. I'm talking like depression, yeah. debilitating, can't get out of bed stuff. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I, I cannot see a way out. Um, I'm at the bottom of this well and I can't see the way out. Um, I don't want to stay in the bottom of this well because it's not comfortable here. So it would be better for me if I just tapped out and said, I'm out of here and just dip. And I was going to go and my my plan, because I'm you know I'm not going to do anything bloody or cut myself or shoot myself. But I was like, you know what, I'm just going to drive my car off the freeway. Yeah. And driving on the 405 freeway one fall day in October, and I tried to serve my car off the overpass, and for whatever reason, man, the guardrail held, and I came back in the traffic, and I um I don't know that 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 literally literally changed my life and it changed the trajectory of my life and it was just like you know what i cannot believe that i was gonna end my life based on how people were treating me at work back to your revolution that you're building here the golden rule revolution is like you know what if we just treated people better or treated <laughs> people like people you know what i mean yeah because like, i come to find out like as i did some research after my suicide attempt i was like god 14 sorry 65 million americans 65 million Americans are doing workplace bullying. Um, that's more than the population of 14 states. Yeah. And what's even worse is that in quite a few cases, people have attempted and successfully completed their suicide. Um, right. right. And that to me is a crime against humanity. And that's what I'm fighting against. First of all, thank you for, for sharing that story. Um, the guy, uh, our mutual friend who connected us, um, Chris, Chris, Chris is amazing. Chris worth. And, yeah. and, um, you know, you, you and I actually have very similar stories. I tried to drive off a bridge. Um, no way. Life, yeah. At the age of 20. And, um, God. back when I saw your video and, and on your website and you tell the story, very eerily similar. Um, huh. and it, it springboarded me on my trajectory yet I never dealt with the pain that I had grown up. And so mm. what it put me on was, um, a 14 year sprint as fast as I could to try to figure out the pain, outrun the pain, not look back. Be, yeah. I never, I never looked back, uh, beyond or before that moment that night, even when I got married eventually, and it wasn't until I had children that I'm starting to look at my children and st I'm struggling. Um, and just no one knows. And the thing is, the thing is, uh, here's the reality of our existence on planet earth is we take what we see and apply it to what we think is not seen. 
So <laughs> I see people smiling and I think, well, they must smile 24 hours a day, oh, seven days a God. week, 365 days a year, every year of their life that that yeah. smile that they project must be the reality of their existence. And I don't smile all the time. So what's wrong with me? And it takes us down this self perpetuating beat up and then lack of, like you said, worthiness, worthiness in. And uh, so it wasn't until actually for me, uh, a couple years ago, three years ago, I started going to therapy. Actually, three years ago uh, in May, I started going to therapy and um, did that every single week, sometimes twice a week. I was, I mean, I was suicidal. I never, it never left me. It never, Mm -hmm. I called it getting snipered. I would be doing okay. And then the sniper would just take me out, you know? Yeah. And uh, for me, and and I don't mean to make this about me, I just share and just in a, affirmation with you brothers. Um, it wasn't until I went to this emotional intelligence training seminar for me and, and they made me look at all the painful moments of all, yeah. all the bullying, all that, you know, the, that pain and that deep seated rejection and that betrayal and the broken trust and the, the, the judgment and the laughter and the not feeling safe and the, yeah. where do I go and who can stand up for me? And I'm not strong enough to stand up for myself and I don't have enough words to speak. And I know I'm not power. All these things that I believe, I mean, you and I get to articulate these things, but there are, like you said, 65 million Americans that don't have the platform that you and I have. And you yes. and I get to be a voice for the voiceless and sometimes the stutterer and sometimes the, the person that just doesn't know. And, 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 and so I stand with you, brother, 100, 100% to see people get healed. And man, I, I got, I got to affirm you for a minute though, Lucas. Cause I mean, I, I think I, I just, I, I know it's like, I'm not going to flip the, the script on you because you were podcasting. I'm going to ask questions. <laughs> but like, you know, it's funny because you mentioned, that your attempt was 14 years ago. Is that correct? Uh, was uh, 17 years. It was, it took me out of 14. So I was 20 and I'm 37 now. So 17 okay. years ago. Yeah. 17 years, okay. But it was 14 years until I went into therapy. So I started going to therapy. Got it. 34. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you mentioned like, you know, this getting snipered. I think that was such, such a powerful imagery because I think to, that's what happens, right? You sometimes are going about your day and everything's cool and like, and all of a sudden, like, it, 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 the only way out is through. Like, yes. you got to, you, you know what I mean? Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> you got to, the only way out is through. And I mean, yes. I think it's easy to distract with different things. It could be sports. It could be other things. But the reality is, unless you face it, it's never going to go away. And, and I think that was one of the hardest things for me when I was getting over my depression after my suicide attempt mm. is... I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to examine all that crappy stuff that happened to me when I was a kid. I, I don't, I don't want to go down that path, but it was the time when I finally did it. Cause I started getting sniper all the time. Like, yeah. man, I'd be going out and like something would happen or my girlfriend who's now my loving wife of 11 years would say mm-hmm. something that would remind me of what someone did back then just was messing with my relationships. And it's like, this isn't okay. But right. I want to address the one thing that you said that is Honestly, if, if, if your listeners of this podcast can get anything out of the wisdom that you said earlier, and I'm going to reiterate it because it was so important. <laughs> like, I want to jump in and interrupt because it was so good, but I just like, no, I didn't mind. Even finish it. So, man, this was so powerful, and I really want to make sure your listeners get this. You mentioned that 
when you go around your day to day, you feel like sometimes what you see on the outside um, mirrors what's going on, on the inside. So you can see people smiling and being happy and you can go to a place of like, you know what, man, these guys got it all together. And like, I don't. And think about it in our social media age that we live in now, right? Everyone's posting right. their highlight reel. So right. like, you're constantly thinking like, man, my life sucks because look <laughs> at these guys. They're yeah. going to Spain flying first class and I'm can't even rub two nickels together. And like, right. you know, and look, they're, beautiful relationship and perfect kids who think who speak three different languages and yeah. I can't even get my kid to flush the toilet. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's like that it's, it's crazy. And you're like constantly beating yourself up. And the reality is no one, none of us have it together. Right? Right. <laughs> we, right. we all are fighting battles that like none of us really know about. So it's really about that kindness. And when I talk about how we treat other people, my first thing that I always mention to folks is the relationship that you have with yourself first. And I, and I think when you went to your emotional intelligence class and yes. you did the deep dive around yes. where these feelings came from and yes. what are these feelings that keep coming up all the time and you yes. got to start naming them and understanding them so you can control yes. them. Yes. That's really what we have to start doing with ourselves. Like if we're not kind to ourselves, how in the world do we think we're in the ability to give it to someone else? We can't give what you don't have. Oh man. Amen. I, um, I went down this and I've never shared this on this podcast, but I feel like this is a good time to share. I went hard down the religious route after my suicide attempt and I studied everything. I would have been the most ardent, whatever, had I found <laughs> that it was the path, but I went down, I started, I read the Bible cover to cover four, uh, seven times in those 14 years. I, I did Whoa. not miss a day praying on my knees morning and night. I would go pray out in fields for sometimes up to two hours. I'd bring a towel. <laughs> no, brother. I mean, I went hard after this, but the sad thing was, and, and I now looking back, like my understanding of even what I was reading was a hurt person filtering that it wasn't what the text yeah. says or it wasn't what that says. But, mm -hmm. um, I would ask, I would say, Lord, kill me, like kill, kill me. Like I would constantly pray for God to kill me because I thought I was wrong. I thought I was mm. bad. I thought I was evil. I thought everything inside of me, my natural inclinations, the things that drove me were, were wrong. And, uh, I get kind of choked up right now, but that led to so much more pain because I tried to outrun even the yes. things that I was constantly doing, giving myself. And it wasn't until I truly like, God, what is, where is all this coming from? And then I love my, like, I need to love myself. I need to love yes. that little boy and go back to those times and tell the little boy at the age of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, that, you know, that what happened wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. People's hurtful behavior. And we are still loved. We love ourselves. We can go back and tell ourselves that we loved ourselves then. And Man, that that radically, radically, radically transformed my life. Is that self love? Um, I think the people people don't want to talk about that though, though, man. I mean, and it's interesting that when you're going through that that time, right, and you're 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 reading the Bible and spiritual texts, and you're but you're you're filtering through this this lens of it's already coming through this like hurt, darkened lens, so the yes. information is not coming yes. through clearly. Yes, and, and, and even so, like. 
when you're thinking about something, clearly something's wrong with me, clearly I'm broken, but you're looking at like, just when you're raising your beautiful children right now, it's like when they make mistakes, you're not going to go, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're going to love them. And that broken kid, and then believe me, I'm speaking to myself too, that broken child inside of me, like once I realized that he, I didn't need to fix him. and I, needed, I, I just had to just love him. I'm like, man, listen, you were in a position that you did the best you could with what you had. Like you couldn't, I mean, when bad things happen to you, and, and they did, <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. some bad stuff. I, I had to not blame an 11 year old kid for not having the wisdom to be able to get myself out of situations that I was not even aware were bad situations. I mean, I love that child and I accept him for his failure, not his failure, excuse me, for not even knowing better. Right. And I'm here to support him. I'm 44 years old now, man. And I was like, if I, you know what I mean? I got to use that wisdom mm. to love on this person so I could be the best person I can be. My, um, a, a quick parable. My dad has a, a lot of these things. And like one time he mentioned, you know, Shola to deal with pain, man, you've got to be, you got to be the Buffalo, not the cow. And I never understood what he meant. So I had to ask him like, what, the, what are you talking about? So apparently, <laughs> whether this is true or not, I, but I think it is. <laughs> Buffaloes. Well, well, this is the part I do know is true. Like what, when storms come, what cows do is they, instinctively run away from the storm. So what they do is when the storm comes, they run away from it. But what it does just in terms of just logistics is that the cow stays in the storm for longer periods of time because she's running with the storm in her attempt to run away from it. The buffalo stops when the storm comes, turns and runs into it, knowing that a storm, a time in the storm will be shortened if he just accepts the temporary pain to get clear on the other side. And I think that's how we deal with pain really in a figurative sense and literal sense as well. Dude, that, that is, I've never heard, I've heard the terms. Uh, actually, I was raised uh, told you have to stand there like a buffalo in a snowstorm and take it. But what you're saying, <laughs> I, and believe me, I took a lot of things, but what you're saying is no, as a buffalo, you move forward. You move forward. You don't stay static. That's a that's a liberating concept for me. Even you here, too, brother. Even hearing that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh no, you're welcome. So, one thing that that I think um, it's it's definitely true for me. I think, and hearing your story, it's true for you that I heard someone say, "Energy doesn't lie." And like, like attracts like. So you yeah. as a bullied kid became an adult who continued to attract bullies. I, as an abused kid mm -hmm. growing up, attracted abusers in my life in business. Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and it wasn't until we faced it and, and gone through this process that we're able to break it. But now you've taken all that pain and now you're transforming and being the beacon of light into people's dark rooms in the workplace. How yeah. did you, how did you make the transition of your own experience to now going forth into uh, other people's um, worlds and exposing their, their liberation? You know, someone told me that um, one of the worst things that you can do on this earth is to allow your pain to be wasted. And I'm not about that. I can't mm -hmm. let my pay be wasted. I mean, I don't know why this happened to me. I don't know why 
I was, why this happened to me. And I'm sure Lucas, you can say the same thing. Why it happened to you, but I have to live in planet. What is not planet. What should be right. The fact is on planet. What is you were abused. I was repeatedly bullied. This is where we are now. So we can let our pain control us or we can use our pain to help others. And I found that lessons keep showing up in our lives until we finally learn what we're supposed to learn, right? So mm. and I kept getting bullied and kept getting these things come to me until I realized, I mean, I'm not confrontational. I never was. I ran from confrontation. It wasn't my thing, right? I didn't like it. It made me uncomfortable. So as a result, the universe is like, okay, cool, cool. So let's get throwing you some worse things where you're going to have to figure this out mm. or you will perish. <laughs> like, like, this is pretty much what so then I had to learn the skills of confrontation and to learn how to stand up to bullies. I had to learn even when my knees were knocking to steer that person down and be like, this is no longer okay. And more importantly for me, what kept me going is that there's so many people, millions of Americans and more over the, all over the world, by the way, not just America, let's be clear right. about that. Right. They're suffering. I, if they don't have the voice and now I have a platform, yeah. I'm going after it, man. Like, how can I use this energy to help them? Because maybe they can't go up to their boss. Maybe they're a single mom or single parent who needs to raise their kids and can't go to their boss and, like, stop acting like this because she could be like, hey, you're fired, and then you don't have the income to take care of your kids. Hmm. I can say something though. I can get on my platform like this is no longer okay. This is no never was okay, by the way. But how can we make sure that my voice can be used? To help others. So I, when I wrote my books, I wrote it, man, from the depths of my pain. The very first words, and I told my publisher, the very first words I'm going to start my book with is, I almost killed myself. Because mm-hmm. I want to not run from the story anymore. I was like, you need to know, reader, and everyone else, like, this is what workplace toxicity can do. When you're treating people like subhuman pieces of trash on a daily basis that you can basically throw away at right. a moment's notice, you can ruin and have ruined lives. So I, as long as I'm on this earth taking in breath, I promise you, Lucas, like there will not be a day where I'm not fighting to end and eradicate workplace bullying and toxicity. I know people listening right now are going to reach out to you and say, come. I hope so. Come, come, <laughs> come I got to get you in. Dude, I, I mean, I mean, and I'm telling you, one of the things I'm really good at, if I mean, if I can spend uh, modesty for a second, is like, I I can go into workplaces, man, and, te- and literally, because my background is in training and development. So mm-hmm. I worked 11 years as the director of training at UCLA Health, and wow. I'm overseeing training for 20,000 employees. So like, creating curricula is like my kind of like my my niche but now that i get to put that towards how to systematically create workplaces that are healthy versus ones that are toxic and showing people the ways to lead and giving them tools to do so in a way that's healthy and allows teams to thrive that's what i do and i can promise you the most important thing a workplace can do are find the toxic people I don't care if you have more letters, like more degrees than a thermometer. If you're in there and you're treating people horribly, your workplace goal should be like, I need to identify these people and remove them because communication is being destroyed because of it. Team collegiality is being destroyed. The ability to work together to get outcomes achieved is destroyed. It makes no sense to keep these people around. Okay. So you and I, we are, 
we are brethren, man. I'm telling you, yeah, I, we are. <laughs> I have um I have two companies. I have a company called Fourth Avenue Media, which is a branding company, marketing firm, and I've had that for eleven years. And one of the things that companies would say to me is, you know, we're doing you know, we're doing well in the marketing front, you know, like all the website and the video content, all the creative that we we're doing externally was working, but their internal turnover was like, it was terrible. And yep. so what we started doing was doing internal communication campaigns inside companies, the same creative. We did one campaign where we went with the executive on the plant floor and with a video crew, gave them a t-shirt with a silhouette with their hands up and it said, I've been caught. And oh. it was catching people doing things right. I and I said, if, you, if your employees only hear from you when they do something wrong, then you are doing something wrong. Yes! Affirm what is right. <laughs> and and um, I read this book. It's called The No Asshole Rule. Oh, yeah. No, oh, no, that, very familiar. Oh, it's one of the best books. And so yeah. I came up with a code of conduct inside our company, which uh, the acronym was DSAT, which stood for do right, say right, act right, think right at all times for each other and for our clients. And I would nice. talk about it all the time. And I think companies that don't have that internal compass, that internal, mm -hmm. like what are the values? Um, I had a client to say they had, um, one of their values was integrity, but mm -hmm. <laughs> they had uh, a workforce where the owner, this is manufacturing company, this owner knew that the employees were stealing, um, supplies out of the, the corporate office and he was fine with it because he like justified it. Well, they don't have that much of their families. That's the culture. And I said, that, no. that may be regardless, but take the word integrity off your wall because yeah. that is not integrity. That is something else, you know, entirely. And, and unless we have that North star of how to treat people, um, things become very ambiguous. And so, yeah, I just, I love what you're, you're doing. Well, you see a lot of those, um, we, 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 in our line of work, we call them poster values, right? The ones that you put up on the wall that right. you can look at as you're walking to the restroom, but not like it's just something that you do. And I think that that's one of the challenges around making sure there's specificity. Because even if you say something like integrity, that has to be, what is exact, what does integrity mean? I mean, yeah, what in, mean? in terms of how, how does your team choose to define integrity? So right. those are the things that allow people to not have to think about is this something that fits in or to the values or not? Like, no, these are the behaviors. I think Netflix, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is, has one of the best like value set. I think you can find it online. It's really amazing what they do over there for their company culture. And mm. I see a lot of leaders, sadly, and team members who allow bad behavior because we call them like, you know, the really competent assholes or the competent jerks yeah. that are like yeah. so yeah. good at their job. Um, but they're just so awful to work with, but they keep them around because they have technical skill. And I would posit an argument that the, the, the pain of keeping them there in terms of their bottom line financially, and not to mention, you know, psychologically and emotionally right. will be so more debt, so far more detrimental to keep them around than it would to get rid of them. Hmm. And that's been my argument for a few years and I've been able to prove that thankfully. And now um, my goal in 2019 is to my, my end goal, Lucas, and I promise I'm calling my shot on your podcast. I don't think you've ever said this publicly, but <laughs> since you said something new on your podcast, let me do the same. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to find a way to make workplace bullying illegal. 
in this country. Wow. I mean, because you know, I mean, harassment yes. is right. Yes. I mean that, yes. but um, bullying is not. And and I feel like it. it bullying actually um, can be up to five to six times more prevalent in the workplace mm. than sexual harassment. So why are we not with the same type of after effects in terms of PTSD and other right. maladies and trauma? So why are we not taking real attention to this? That's right. I love that. I I would love to see that happen. And, you know, as a general message to everyone listening and, and Shola, like you and I, when we take a label and hold on to a label greater than we see breath in someone's lungs, like for instance, a boss and an employee, those are labels, black and white. Those are labels, male, female, those are labels, you know, gay, straight, those are labels, you know, America, whatever these labels are. When we hold on to these labels of identity greater than we see the value of the breath in your lungs is equal to the value of the breath in my lungs. So I want you to breathe deeply and you breathing deeply helps me breathe deeply and we can all build each other up when we treat each other the way, you know, simply stated the way we want to be treated and don't treat people the way we don't want to be treated. Um, You know, and, and um, I love your message. I love what you're standing for. and I, I'll, dude, I stand with you 100%, brother. And, and the feeling is mutual, my man. I mean, I think what you're doing with this podcast and allowing your listeners to, one, understand the importance of how we treat each other as human beings in this limited experience. I mean, you know this, man. Like, when we're, I mean, I've been on, on deathbeds, I mean, most recently for my dad, right? And I mean, yeah. I can promise you at the end of life, People are not thinking about, oh man, like, uh, where's my Mercedes? Can someone roll my Mercedes in the hospital right. room? Or like, right. can someone get my college degree so I can look at it one more time? Like, right. They only care about one thing. They care about the people in their lives and the relationships they have. My thing is, why in the world do we have to wait until we're about to die mm. to realize this, right? Why can't we realize this when we are alive and can actually do something about it? So when you talk about, people treating others like people, let's not wait till we're about to die to have this realization because you don't need the specter of death staring you in the face to be like, you know what? Now it's time to start taking this stuff seriously. Like, well, no, guess what? It's too late now. Yeah. Like, you're about to die. So right. let's do this like literally as people are listening to this and I tell people all the time, if you want to make this kind of stuff practical, like just commit to leaving every single thing you touch or everyone you touch just better than you found them. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. don't make this hard. Just do something. Pick up a piece of trash when you're walking down on your way to the car. Put some money into someone's uh, into someone's parking meter. Mm. Say hello. Hold open a door. Like you don't have to go and like. I mean, I was in Starbucks the other day in the drive-through, and I paid for the guy behind me. It's like three dollars and twenty-five cents. This guy's like honking his horn and waving at me, smiling and waving his mm. coffee cup outside. Just, I mean, I, that was the best three dollars and twenty-five cents I ever spent. That's right. It doesn't have to be hard. This is what I'm getting at. Brother, how, how can people find you? I want everyone listening. I hope you go to Shola's website and connect with him, follow him. Cause you're, I, I feel like you're just getting started. Like you're <laughs> you've been at it 
And yet you're about to have a massive, massive impact all over the world with your message. Oh, God, I, from your mouth to God's ears, brother. Hey, I hey, hope man, so. Man, <laughs> seriously, how, how can people find you and follow you and connect with you? You know what? To make it super easy, the easiest way is just to go to my website, Shola Richards, S-H-O-L-A-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S.com. All my social media handles are there. Email address is there. I have no problem my, for people to connect with me directly my email to Shola at SholaRichards.com. Oh, but if you want to learn more about my mission and my message, um, check out my intro video and all that type of stuff, head to my website and I would be more than happy to connect with you and maybe go to your workplace and uh, help change the world over there. Love it. Yes. Yes. Brother, thank you. Thanks for making time. and. Um, I would love to have you back on. I'd love to do another episode with you down the road. Can we do let's, that? Yeah, man, of course. <laughs> Very few repeat guests. I'd love to have you back on. Let's talk about, let's, let's, I want to keep this conversation going. And, you know, uh, and it, let's do you. it because it's funny. There's a one thing that the part two potentially could be about more about what I'm hoping to do in the world as well. Cause the workplace is where I got my start, but now I'm taking this, my quote, my African proverb that I love is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And this is uh, go to get the go together movement is uh, now my newest thing that I'm taking around stages all over the country, helping people to, to live, work and lead together. So yeah, maybe that's, that's a good segue for part two, man. Okay. I love it. I love it. I will have you back brother Shola Richards. I'm going to put your uh, website in the show notes. We'll share this out and uh, we are going to change the world together. I appreciate you, Lucas. Thank you, man. Love what you're doing with your podcast. Keep up the great work, my man. Thank you, brother. Shola Richards is such a beautiful human being. Seriously. From from extensive bullying to standing for people to treat people like people, he is the example of what the Golden Rule Revolution is all about. And for those of you listening, I know there are so many people currently hurting or have had past pain, but you're trying to outrun it like I tried to outrun it. You're trying to out-articulate or out-smart or just out-facade the actual true pain that you're experiencing. And what I want to say as an encouragement to you is you don't have to put a front up any longer. You are no worse and someone else is no better than you. We're all human beings. We all have minds, hearts, bodies, souls that are coexisting on this earth together and yes some people do want to perpetuate the darkness some people do want to perpetuate the fear some people choose to perpetuate the pain however darkness is not a counterforce to light darkness exists in the absence of light so kindle your fire light your light and shine it forth more brightly because the world is waiting for you to be healed I'm Lucas Mack. It's such a pleasure having you listen today. Go to SholaRichards.com, find him, follow him, and let's make this world a better place to live when we do it together. I look forward to speaking with you next week. (laughs) 